Shalom, Om Vishnu Padaya, Krishna Prasthaya, Bhutale, Srimati Bhaktivedanta Swami, Nityanamane, Namaste, Saraswati Devi, Gauravani Pacharne, Nivasesis, and Nivani Paskacha Deshitarani. Monday, Ham Shri Guru, Shri Yuta, Padakamalam Shri Guru, and Vaishnavam, Shashi Rupam Sagraja, Tam Sahagana, Raganatam, Bitam, Tam Sajivam, Sadvoitam, Sadvadutam, Padijana, Sahita, Krishna Chaitanya Devam, Shri Radha, Krishna Padam, Sahagana, Lalita, Shri Vishakam, Bitam, Shri Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya June 15, 2021, in Hillsborough, back in Hillsborough, North Carolina, in Goloka. And we're reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 10, Chapter 26, Text 12. Asi Vishat Mahindram, Asi Vishat Mahindram, Damitva Vimadan Radat, Prasayodva Sayamunam, Chakrishal Nirvishodakam Ashi of his fangs Vishatama having the most powerful poison Ahi of the snakes Indram the chief Damitva subduing Dimadam whose pride was removed Radat from the lake, Prasaya, by force, Udvasya, sending him away, Yamunam, the river Yamuna, Chakre, May, Asau, he, Nirvisha, free from poison, Udakam, it's water. So here at the coward men are continuing their glorification of Krishna, being astonished at his lifting of Govardhan Hill. So, BBT translation, Krishna chastised the most poisonous serpent, Kaliya, and after humbling him, he drove him forcibly from the lake of the Yamuna. In this way, the Lord made the water of that river free of the snake's powerful <coughs> poison. I'm going to read the Tika of Sanatana Goswami. Jiva Goswami simply repeats it. And Sri Maharaj and Vishnu Chakravati Thakur say basically the same thing. Krishna subdued Kaliya while destroying his pride, Vimadam, or he sent him free of pride from the lake. So, I thought we would review the story of Kaliya, <coughs> one of my favorite pastimes. And so, this description comes from chapter 16 of the 10th canto as well as from the commentaries of our Acharyas on the verses of chapter 16, and from the uh, Ananda Vrindavan Champu, Brihad Bhagavatamrita, Gopalcha, etc. So, uh, as Jistapu was talking about yesterday, that the various demons in Krishna Lila, they're real demons, but at the same time they're also metaphors for particular anartas and difficulties as described by Bhaktivinoda Thakur. 
And Kaliya represents brutal cruelty, maliciousness, pride, which is what's focused on in this verse, envy, and a snake-like crookedness. And he particularly tries to pour poison into the hearts of innocent Vaishnavas. Now both Kaliya and Agasura are snakes and represent the same kind of things, but Kaliya is particularly interested in poisoning the hearts of the devotees. So Kala means black, cobra, knight, iron, defamation, and Ia means belonging to, like Godia. Okay, so Krishna went to the Yamuna without Balaram, without Rama, because Rama means happiness. He was going to give his devotees distress that day. So he went without happiness. And also because Balaram would have stopped him from going in. Balaram was kept home to observe a function. And also because Balaram's disciple was getting chastised. So the Brahma Bhivarta Purana says that Anantasesha, Balaram also has a big snake form as Anantasesha, had Kaliya as a disciple. But Kaliya had become a bad disciple. He had let his heart become poisoned against the other devotees. And so Balaram's disciple, well not the Seisha's disciple, Kaliya had to be punished, had to be chastised, but Balaram didn't want to see it, so he stayed home. Just like Balaram didn't want to see Duryodhana being killed later in Kurukshetra. So Krishna was feeling satisfied by his activities such as killing Devagasura, and he wanted to celebrate by dancing. Just like we like to celebrate, right? Something happens, we want to have a party, and we want to sing and dance, right? So the cows and boys were thirsty in the summer heat. This pastime takes place in the summer. So they wanted to drink the Yamuna. Now, in those days, the rivers were pure. You could drink them. You know, nowadays we're afraid to drink even the city water. <laughs> I mean, when I was a kid, people didn't carry around water with them. Right? All of you who are around my age, remember, we didn't, people didn't have bottled water. You didn't carry your water around with you. You felt confident you could drink clean water wherever you go. Remember Bhakti Chuswami said, someday we're going to carry around oxygen tanks with us. <laughs> it keeps going on. But in those days they could drink the water from the river. Uh, and they drank together. The cows and the boys were drinking at the same time. Otherwise, because the water had actually been poisoned, then it, if the cows had died, the boys wouldn't have drunk the water. And if the boys had died, the cows wouldn't have drunk the water. So they all had to drink at the same time. Or the boys were so distraught at the death of the cows that they drank the water in order to die also. So the boys and the cows were all visibly affected. They fell down apparently dead, although of course they have spiritual bodies that cannot die. And Krishna worried for a moment and then he brought them back. So we see this happening often in the Leela that there's this moment where Krishna's like, what do I do? Because that's fun. That's why Krishna has these Leelas. It's not fun to always, oh yeah, I know exactly what to do. It's fun to figure out a puzzle and figure out what am I supposed to do. So Krishna had a glance like nectar drinking, dripping from his eyes. Uh, Jiva Goswami said his melted heart of compassion came out from his eyes like tears, which are Krishna's personified feelings of love. So everything having to do with the Lord is a person. All of his energies are persons. All of his emotions are persons. Amazing, huh? Now, Krishna didn't revive the boys and cows just by his desire. 
but by these tears of love from his eyes because they're very special devotees. And when they came back to life, they wondered, how did this happen? And then they remembered Gargamuni's words about Krishna being powerful. And then they're like, ah, oh, and they were amazed. They looked at Krishna with love. The cause of any of our good fortune in life is Krishna's glancing upon us. And they came back to life gradually so that Krishna could have a personal relationship with each one of them as they revived in consciousness. As each one of them revived, Krishna was personally reciprocating with them. So Kali is a black serpent, serpent full of poison, Kaliya, Kaliya, the son of Kadru. So that's a long history uh, with Kadru and Vinata, uh, two wives of Kasyapa. Uh, one's a mother of birds and one the mother of snakes. So we take evolution the other way, that the great uh, demigods, the great celestial beings, give birth to all the species, all the lower species, not that the lower species give birth to humans. So a court, and, uh, he had been hiding for many yugas as under an umbrella in a storm from Garuda, the son of Tarsha. So according to the Garuda Sahita in his last life, during the Manvantara Swayamruvamana, at the beginning of creation, Kali was a sage named Vedish, Vedashira, which means the head of the Vedas, who was cursed for not allowing the sage Asvashira to meditate in his ashram. So you can't meditate here. You have, just like we have this girl who meditates here every day. So if we said to her, you can't meditate here, you can't. So Asvashira said, you are angry for no reason. You hiss just like a snake. Become a snake. Then Lord Vishnu appeared and told him that he would place his lotus feet on his head in that lifetime. Then Vedashira took birth with the first generation of great snakes to appear in the universe from Daksha's daughter, Kadru. So Krishna is sometimes very merciful to those who get cursed. So that we can understand that if, if, we, if our heart becomes filled with poison against some other devotees, we may have to suffer for that, but Krishna will eventually be kind to us and help us out. So, don't be poisonous against other devotees because you may have to become a snake. <laughs> eventually Krishna will bring you back. And we should feel this way also when we see other people who, be, who get this black heart full of poison. Eventually Krishna will restore them because they're his devotees. Although they may have to suffer for some time. So, Garuda and Kali are brothers. And I think this is Sanatana Swami who says this that Kali had a desire to be the Lord's carrier. He had some competition with his brother Garuda. Normal sibling rivalry. You know, why does my brother Garuda get to carry the Lord around? Why can't I carry the Lord around? All right, so this lake is situated separately from the main current. So it didn't pollute the whole river, just this part. If you know anything about the science of rivers, as they meander slowly, sometimes a very big curve becomes cut off from the main flow of the river. Sometimes the river kind of splits in two, and part of it goes straight, part of it curves. It's called an oxbow, like the part of the yoke that's on an ox and it gets separated and then gradually can fill and become a lake. So that's what happened. So this became a deep, deep lake which is similar to the Sanskrit word for heart. 
And Yamuna is Rudavan's heart. So this is again, Kaliya is, is a real being, but also this metaphor for our heart becoming polluted. And Kaliya was, was a, the son of Kasyapa, and Kadru was a very powerful person with great mystic power. So he formed solid objects out of water to make a city in the lake. He'd been there for many yugas. Now why didn't Krishna go there earlier? Well, the Gopal Champu said that Yusoda had told him to stay away. Like any good mother, you know, don't go to that lake, it's poisonous. So why did Krishna disobey today? Because Balaram had told him that if the cows go there, he has to go there to save the cows. And they had gone there first. Also, because Krishna decided to do something naughty with Balaram gone. So he went to a new grassy area. And Jiva Goswami says that Krishna was a little shy in front of his great devotees, the Nagapatnas. So the whole area was contaminated. There was a poisonous vapor 24 hours a day. If you've ever been around somebody who has a black heart of criticism, they're kind of poisonous 24 hours a day. And if ever our heart gets filled with, with this poison of criticism and fault-finding, then don't we feel like we're kind of walking poison? We're like... <laughs> you know, and if we're a little intelligent, we say, I'm really in a bad mood, just stay away. <laughs> so there was dense black smoke rising from the boiling water. Birds were falling dead into the water if they flew over because Kali was especially envious of the birds that reminded him of Garuda. The trees and grass all around was dead. This whole section of the river was deadly. Does this remind us of what's going on with industry and pollution at the present time? And even the uh, deathless demigods had to stay away. They had to stay at least eight miles away. There were snake holes all around. This was like an incurable heart disease. Yamuna felt like she had a black ball of fire in her belly. You ever eat something that you didn't agree with and you just feel like your whole belly's on fire? Yeah. So Krishna wanted to purify. It's another reason he went. Yamuna is his devotee and he wanted to purify her because the Yamuna is the life of the health of Rindavana. Water is our health. And the Yamuna's waves in this lake had a crimson golden radiance like ocean waves and moonlight. So that was the effect of the poison. So then Krishna jumps in the water. He climbs a big Kadamba tree. Kadamba flowers are round, they're about this big, like a golf, golf ball size, and they're yellow. And this was the only tree that was not dead. The tree was very tall. If you've ever seen a Kadamba tree, they are extremely tall. Picking Kadamba flowers requires some kind of special implement or an extremely tall ladder. I mean, they're really big trees. So, some acharyas say that Krishna's lotus feet brought the tree back to life, and some say that Garuda had put some nectar on this tree to preserve it, knowing that Krishna would want to use it in the future. So, some of the things we do as service may be for something in the future that we can't see right. So, Krishna, I like this part, he tightens his belt, this is one of the descriptions of Krishna, one of his uh, 64 qualities as a very good dresser. That Krishna dresses very smartly. So even before he fights with demons. So he tightens his belt, gathers up his curly hair into his turban. He reties his turban around his hair. Okay. 
ready to fight the demon. And then he clenches his little hands and he tells his friend, don't worry and watch those cows make sure they don't go back to the water. Right? And then he smiles. Then Krishna did not reveal his intention to the coward boys to jump in. They would have tried to stop him. They thought he climbed the Kadamba tree just to look at the situation. So he flaps his arms like a wrestler and jumps in. Then the water overflows to a hundred bowlings. And Krishna does a little boy. Little boy jumps in the lake and overflows to a hundred bowlings. Such that the boys and the cows had to run away because the water was overflowing. So they all had to run back. And Krishna, the source of Anantasesha, is unaffected by the poison. So he's swimming. He's making a huge noise. And as he's splashing the water, it makes music. You know how you can make music by hitting waters with pot, pots with water? And it's one of the 64 arts Krishna learns later on. But he's making music. So it's this whole concert coming out of the lake. And him splashing the water also, because it was so much poison, it turned the water into flames. So it's making music and flames are coming out. <coughs> then he's going so deep, it looks like he's going to Patalaloka. And Kaliya thought his home was under attack, and he couldn't tolerate this. So we may feel like this when we have a problem and Krishna comes to purify us, we may feel that he's attacking us. Right? Have you ever experienced that? That someone has a problem and you go to help them and the person responds as if you're attacking them? Leela Shakti says, Yes! <laughs> Here I'm trying to help you. No, get away! <laughs> so even when God himself comes and says, Here, let me help you out. You're hurting me! <laughs> Now this is very interesting. Kaliya sees Krishna and he sees how beautiful Krishna is. He sees that he has legs like lotus flowers. He sees the Srivatsa mark on his chest. He sees all of Krishna's jewels, his yellow garments, and his playing with great strength. But instead of surrendering to Krishna, he becomes angry. Interesting. Because sometimes we think, well, I would surrender if Krishna just came in front of me dancing. But maybe not. And Kaliya felt pride, which is the, the point of today's verse. He felt pride. Ha! I'll crush him. And in his pride, he felt great anger. He bit Krishna on the chest and grabbed Krishna in his coils for two hours, according to some accounts, or 48 minutes, according to other accounts. Kaliya wondered who Krishna was. Now, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur says that Kaliya had a lot of friends and relatives in the lake, and they also bit Krishna at the same time. So Krishna was being simultaneously bitten by all these serpents. Then Krishna stayed motionless due to his heroic strength. Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur says, Krishna is saying, you can show me all your strength, but I'll show you mine. Sanatana Goswami says that Krishna stayed for a long time in Kaliya's embrace because Kaliya was ultimately his devotee. And so he felt Kali's love. And this, this is why it's so, we have to be so careful in dealing with devotees. Even if a devotee becomes full of poison, and even if a devotee becomes envious, 
There may still be some devotion there that will come out at a later time. We don't want to be critical of the criticizers, you understand? Also, that Yogamaya created a shield so that Kaliya could not touch Krishna directly. So these are all the different opinions of the Acharyas. Then there were the cowherd boys, there were some cowherd men there, and there were some farmers in the area. They all were stunned out of fear. They were just stunned. So that's why they didn't enter the lake to try to save Krishna. And the... uh, the residents of Vrindavan, they felt that they had dedicated everything, their lives, property, relatives, wives, affections, activities. They felt their whole life was being destroyed. The cows, bulls and cows and the animals, they were filled with grief, anxiety and fear. They were crying with loud noises and they were just, their, their tears were falling on the ground. They were just standing still. The cowherd boys, their bodily colors faded. They produced horrible, gurgling sounds. They fell down on the ground as if unconscious. When they stopped being stunned, they didn't follow Krishna because Krishna had told them, you have to take care of the cows. So they thought, we have to stay and take care of the cows so we can't go in and help Krishna. They didn't know what to do. Should I go and help Krishna or should I take care of the cows and follow his order? I once had a situation like that where I had two people I had to take care of, one in L.A. and one in Shanghai. They were each 14 years old and I didn't know whether I should take care of the one in L.A. or the one in Shanghai. Long story, but I can tell another time. Then there were ill omens in the earth, the water, and the sky which the Acharyas say were signs of affection of the Devas and symptoms of the affection of the residents of Vrindavan. Or they were to show the evil of Kaliya and induce the residents to go there. The Devas did this because the boys were stunned and they couldn't tell anyone. Right? So maybe you've been in that kind of a situation. There's some catastrophe happening and the people who are there, they just don't know what to do. They just become kind of what do I do? And then, well, I, I'll, I'll do something. <laughs> you know? So the demigods were like, the boys aren't doing anything. None of them were running back to Vrindavan to get help. And so the demigods said, well, we better do something. So let's send a message to these bad omens. And jackals were howling. The earth was trembling. Meteors were falling. Smoke and dust was covering the sky. There were high winds. Women were shivering on the right, men on the left. Everyone felt anxiety. And they said, there's bad omens. And the cowherd boy said, Balram didn't go with Krishna. Krishna's alone. They felt even more anxiety. They said, nothing's dearer than Krishna. And like the cowherd boys and the farmers around, they had dedicated their lives, their property, their mind, their activities he said, today Krishna will be vanquished and their love increased and increased and increased. All the living entities in Vraja assembled as Krishna was their only means of substance. The children, young men, old men, old young women, animals, all living entities. They all assembled and Balaram stood smiling or laughing and silent. Then Balaram said to his mother Rohini, Please stay back and cook for Krishna. Why? Because Rohini in another life was Khadru, 
the mother of both Anandasesha and Kaliya. That's according to the Garga Samhita and the Rihad Bhagavatamita. And Balaram did not want his mother to see her son getting chastised. And Balaram was smiling and laughing to stop everyone from dying and to show them there was nothing to fear, to respect the love of the residents of Vrindavan. And because, gosh, Krishna doesn't play with me when I'm a Nantasesha, but now he's playing with some ordinary snake in this world. So they all went to this lake, and the path to the lake was muddy with their tears, so it was hard to walk. They followed Krishna's footprints, which everyone carefully preserves. When they found Krishna, and they saw the boys' faces, they felt more grief. Like if we go to a bad situation, we're not quite sure how bad it is, and then we see the other people around, and we see how they're reacting, and if they're freaking out, we think, well, it must be really bad. The gopis were the last to arrive, the young gopis, because they kept fainting on the way. And so their jewels broke from falling over and over. And Sukadev gives a limited description of the reaction of the Vrijvasis because it was too painful for him to discuss it. Although the other Acharyas gave a more detailed description. And when everyone got there, they were saying, What happened? What happened? Did Krishna go involuntarily? Did Kaliya drag him in? But the boys didn't answer. They were just so stunned, they didn't say anything. And the animals were just crying. Balaram was there, and he's still smiling. <laughs> And everybody, especially the gopis, they remember Krishna's friendship, his smiling face, his sweet words, his many dealings, and they saw the word, the world, as vacant. So now you come to Gatsarma, and without Krishna. Prabhupada talks about in this now, this is another kind of illusion, to see the world as vacant. The world's full of so many things. When I was a teenager, there was a rock and roll song like that, My World is Empty Without You, Babe. Yeah. We may not actually feel that if, if uh, someone we love in this world goes away. But when you think Krishna is going to die, you feel there's, there's nothing left. The, the world seems like this big void in this illusion of love. So Yusoda wants to go in, but her friends stop her. And then she faints. And her friends revive her with talks of Krishna's pastimes. Especially Krishna's killing other demons. So they'll say, remember, Krishna killed this demon and this demon and that demon. So he'll be okay. He'll be okay. And Srila Prabhupada wrote a letter to, Sum- to Sumati. He said, we should chant the Hare Krishna mantra like Yusoda crying for Krishna when he's in the coils of Kali. None of his friends want to enter, but Balaram stops them with a smile or with words about Gargamuni's predictions, or physically. Somehow Balaram stops him, either by smiling, or hey, stop. Remember Balaram's just a little boy too. Or talking about Gargamuni. And Nandamar said to Yusoda, it's better if we die in Yamuna because Krishna's already dead. Why should we live? Everyone just sprawls out on the ground. Remember, this is when Krishna is still in Kaliya's coils. Then in the, uh, Balaram assures everyone of Krishna's power. And as soon as he stops speaking, Krishna frees himself when everyone is at the point of death. 
And we had Balaram Balaram says, Oh Krishna, Krishna, these people are not your associates in Vaikuntha. They are not your monkey associates. They are not the Yadavas. They are the people of Raja. You are their only life and soul. They are dying now. Lord, I have no power to save them. They are now lifeless. Merciful Krishna, only friend of the people of Raja, please give up this pastime or your gentle heart will become filled with grief. And Krishna expands his body. Kaliya can't take the strain and his coils slacken until he has no choice but to let go. And then when Krishna gets out, he looks at all, devote, all his devotees and gives them a smile. See? I'm just fine. Kaliya gets angrier, but Sanatana Goswami says these are symptoms of sattvic abhav. Because remember, Kaliya was a devotee previously. And we see this. We see sometimes devotees get really envious and really critical and really offensive. And then they may go away. Then they may come to a kirtan. And they remember the ecstasy of being with Krishna. Isn't it? We sometimes see And then they say, oh, I'm so sorry. I met one devotee, Rathiatra, who has, I'm not going to say his name, had a history like that. Now he's this blissful devotee. Apologized to all the devotees that he offended. So Kali's symptoms, he expanded his hoods, he exhaled, exhaled poisonous fume from his nostrils, which were like big fats. His eyes blazed full of poison, flames from his mouth, stayed still for a while, looking at Krishna, licking his lips with bifurcated tongues. Krishna played with him like Garuda plays with a snake, circling around and Kaliya tried to bite Krishna, but Krishna moved around him. So they moved in a circle until Kaliya got tired and his strength diminished. Krishna both circled around and went one way and then the other way and then the other way. And uh, Krishna is his holy name. If we move in the opposite direction from critics while we're chanting, they will also get tired. So again, Krishna Kaliya represents this uh, poisonous criticism of devotees. So if we keep taking Krishna's name and just keep moving away from them, eventually they'll get tired. Kali had been Krishna on his leg, at which time Garuda murmured, because my Lord has been insulted by a snake, I wish to devour him immediately, but I cannot do so in the presence of my Lord, because he may become angry with me. Krishna pressed down on the hoods and jumped on top, like he forces everyone to bow down at death. And then, again, he tightened his cloth. Must have gotten a little loose when he was wrapped up in the coils. Krishna's ornaments sparkled more than the snake's fire. Krishna's feet were tinged with, tinged with red like copper from reflections of the snake's jewels. The red jewels fell into the blue lake and created a beautiful purple color. Krishna danced on Kaliya's heads moving back and forth because he's the original master of all fine arts. And Krishna was doing this to attract the young gopis who were at the preliminary stage of love. You know, ordinary men in this world try to attract young women with some display of strength and, and mastery, right? And young women try to attract the men by their physical forms and young men try to attract the women by their strength and their agility. So Krishna, as the original man, he's trying to attract the young girls like this. 
And some Acharyas say he may have even brought some of the gopis up to Kaliya's hoods to dance with him, with him, but no one else saw this. Would that be fun, dancing in Kaliya's hoods with Krishna? So Krishna can cut down our pride and envy, again, the focus of today's verse, if we surround ourselves with the holy name and tire out our critical mind by having the holy name dance on our tongue. Our mind is criticizing. And just let the holy name dance. You know, don't bother about the critical mind. Just let the holy name dance on the mind and the mind will get tired. So first the only music was in Krishna's mind. Then the demigods played to accompany him. They were fast, slow, medium dances and the demigods were keeping pace. They, were, they kept doing new melodies and Krishna was keeping pace. But sometimes the demigods got bewildered. Oh, how do we keep up with Krishna? The Gandharvas and Apsaras tried to dance like Krishna but they couldn't. His dance was too complicated and amazing. So they just did their own dances. And the flowers kept falling from the sky from the demigods who were showering flowers, beating drums, playing flutes, and singing songs. And Balaram told everybody, Krishna's doing this just to please the devotees. Don't worry. He's not in danger. Balaram acted as a guru to hold back the devotees. Because only Krishna can deal with such envy. Only Krishna can deal with such envy. And we should, and this is a very interesting statement, which we could have a whole class on this, avoid the whirlpool of unfortunate circumstances. We should not get pulled into this whirlpool of having a black heart and being critical of others. Krishna wanted to diminish the splendor of the jewels. And the devotees started to laugh and give up their lamentation and start to feel happiness as they start to see Kali being subdued, although they were still in some anxiety. And Krishna gave his devotees a sidelong glance of love. While dancing on one mood, Kali tries to push him down with the other hoods. Krishna controlled Kali's 101 main hoods out of a thousand hoods by dashing Kali with his feet. Now maybe Krishna also expanded himself Kaliya went from being offensive to struggling for his life and started vomiting poison, which was a way of his sins being reduced. He was vomiting out his critical, envious nature. He exhaled fire, but he was still somewhat angry and with great difficulty raised a hood to Krishna who would kick it and dance on it. It started to look like Kali was worshipping Krishna. The poisons from his mouth looked like flower offerings. Soon he was vomiting blood instead of poison. He was exhausted. His whole body was broken. At that point in his mind, he accepted that Krishna was God, and he surrendered. He surrendered in his mind because the pain didn't allow him to speak. I don't know if you've ever been in so much pain that you couldn't speak. His wives had sowed the seed of devotion. So how kind Krishna was. Although he had been, Kali had been cursed to be a snake, Krishna arranged for him to marry wives who were all great Vaishnavas. And because of their kindness he was able to come back to Bhakti. Unfortunately, until this point, his anger 
had prevented the seeds of bhakti from his wives from sprouting. You know, Guru plants the seed of bhakti in our heart, but if we're angry and envious, the seed can't sprout. You know, seeds need a moist soil. Anger and envy is, is dryness and heat and fire. You know, seeds can be preserved sometimes for thousands of years. I think there were some chickpeas preserved in Egyptian tombs for thousands of years. But the anger has to dissipate. So Krishna eliminated this anger and sins and envy and pride. So now these seeds of bhakti that have been planted by Kali's wives could now sprout. When we think ourselves low, that is the beginning of our life. So the Nagapatnis, Kali's wives, previously, they were fried with this abusive husband of theirs. And they're like, let him die. Let Krishna kill this angry, envious guy. We'll become widows. <laughs> we'll just live in Vrindavan as widows. But now that they saw that their husband was surrendering and coming to his sense, now they wanted him to be saved. No one is condemned forever. If a person starts to show repentance, then we should show them mercy. So in great haste, they got dressed, put on their ornaments, took their children in front of them. They did uh, dandavats. Sanatana Goswami says, in the bottom of the lake, or at the shore of the lake, they offered full dandavats. Sometimes people say ladies can't offer dandavats, but it's right in the bottom of town. Kali's one remaining pride was his sense of ownership over his wives. And now that is finished because the wives surrendered to Krishna. And they say wonderful prayers. They have in six verses, they say, we agree with your punishment. You're equal to everyone. Your punishment is just. Your punishment and mercy is the same. Your punishment of our husband is a benediction. They say he must have done both great sins and great piety. Great sins to be a snake and great piety that you danced on his head. They were astonished by this contradiction. And there's a whole meditation on the Trinatopi verse here. In ten verses they offer obeisances. They glorify the Lord's potency. And in five verses they make a request. Please excuse Kaliya for our sake. Otherwise, if he dies, we'll be in difficulty. We don't want another serpent to marry us. Even if it means our husband can go to the heavenly planets. Please erase whatever last contamination is there by nectar instead of punishment. And he is also your part of parcel. We will do whatever you like. Don't worry, we won't eat anybody else. And Krishna says, although you're angry, your prayers have been like the monsoon that puts out a forest fire. He jumps off and releases Kaliya, who become unconscious, or maybe was in a trance of ecstasy. He regains consciousness, tries to fold his hands. He's a Naga, so they're like half human apps. He was in too much pain to offer dandavats like his wives did. He was too exhausted to compose original prayers, so he just paraphrased his wives' prayers. And he says, I have such an angry and envious nature, I was attached to something temporary. Madhvacharya says, one who simply thinks with devotion, the punishment that the Supreme Lord is exerting upon me is actually mercy towards me, becomes pious. But for those who continue, even after punishment from the Lord, to envy him, their attitude is the reason for their continuing to fail to recognize him. 
Kali said, I can only give up my nature by your mercy. Please excuse me. Punish me or save me as you like. Then Krishna gives blessings. Take your possessions, your family, and leave the Yamuna. And he said this loudly so everybody would hear it and they'd be peaceful. The Kali would be gone. Krishna freed Kali from his offense to Garuda and his offense to Vrindavan. Devotees don't want anyone who's taking shelter of Vrindavan to be asked to leave. So Krishna showed that Kali was so evil that he poisoned the devotees and attacked even him. Offenders may, like Kali may get mercy, but they're not allowed in Vrindavan. Thank you so much. Thank you.